Good to see all of you here. Once again, as we look to the Lord, we pray that God will minister to us this evening in and through his word. <clears throat> Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Glorious Father, we come before you this evening. You are our God. You are our Father. Speak to us today, Lord. Whatever may be our situations, whatever may be our circumstances, one thing we know, Lord, you are bigger than all our situations. Today, Lord, you minister to us. There is strength in the word of God, we pray. You will bless each one of us with that life, strength, wisdom, counsel. Show us the way we need to go, Lord. Holy Spirit, take control of the complete session and let your name be glorified in and through all this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We have come to Psalm 4. Uh, we can give the title as Practicing the Presence of God. <clears throat> uh, this is a very common thing we have heard practicing the presence of God. Uh, in fact, um, Brother Lawrence has written a book titled Practicing the Presence of God. Uh, when we are studying the psalm, uh, we should not treat it as commandments. Basically, these are individual. Uh, the psalmist experience, you know, he's going through a situation. Here we are not going to tell this is right, this is wrong. Basically, he's going through a situation. It's basically, it's teaching us uh, how uh, we also can go through these situations. It's, it's some kind of guidance, giving us an emotional guide work as we go through the situation. So Psalm 4, a very short Psalm, just eight verses, uh, we'll see that. The first three verses, the Lord who answers prayer. Answer me when I call you my righteous God, give me relief from my distress, have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you people turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Now, we do not have a specific situation as to what is making the psalmist to cry out like this. Uh, is it a, a, a agricultural disaster? Uh, we could imagine many things, but God in his wisdom has left it like this so that it can apply to all our situations. So we, are, we will not try to get into that. What made the psalmist to cry out like this? He was in distress, uh, but... What we can make out is how long you people uh, will, will you people turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? So basically it's talking about some people, uh, people who are, who are accusing the psalmist. They're accusing him unjustly. Uh, I'm sure all of us can identify with these situations, or at least we have faced situations like this when people accuse us. Uh, could be in the family circles, could be in the workplace, could be in the church environment. People can accuse us for no fault of us. So Psalmist is going through a situation like this, and psalmist knows that he is innocent. Uh, when we are accused, when we are accused of, you know, you did like this, did like that, we know our heart condition and we know we, we are innocent, but still people are accusing us. So 
we it's it's that kind of a situation people are accusing him so when people accuse us what are we supposed to do so in this particular psalm we don't find any particular request oh lord um, forgive my sin you don't find that in this psalm there are other psalms where he cries for forgiveness of sins but in this psalm we don't find something a, a very particular request we can't say that psalmist is saying uh, lord grant me this all that he's saying is lord grant me some peace of mind you know when when you are in a difficult relationship all that you would cry out is all that we want is peace of mind when people around us are accusing us or blaming us you know the all that we could the soul cries out to god oh lord please please give me peace of mind uh, that's what we find in this psalm when people are surrounded him and it is not they've surrounded him with their physical presence not at all in this psalm it is basically um, when we are talking about people how long will you people in some of the uh, bible versions it will be sons of god basically to talk about these people are persons of significance maybe they have some authority maybe they are leaders maybe they are elders these people have some power in that society and these powerful people are accusing them uh it happens in in a in a village setup uh you know when people come even today when on last sunday when people came from sadamangla there were situations like that people are accusing them for no mistake of theirs but because they are powerful people if we just move with the people in the city we will realize there are powerful people who simply accuse others just to keep them under their authority or to subdue them they just accuse them and i'm sure this is our experience uh if you have moved with people in the ordinary uh, strata if you move with people they they will explain oh they are all accusing me they are all blaming me sometimes people blame them um, for theft for sometimes in the family they blame them because of you this happened you know they would have done with good intention but the family members can turn around and say because of you see i told you that day itself because of you this has happened it is a situation something like that and we have all faced it and we may face in the future people can come to church blame us there are you know you we cannot stop that but one thing we can do is we can look to god and say answer me when i call to you my righteous god you know when we know you know my righteous god uh you, you know sometimes we talk about god god of love uh, last sunday when i was praying for somebody uh, you know that person was in tears and when you hear the story of injustice that has been meted out to her all that you can cry out is god you give her the justice you know love on one side is fine but when people are going through this oppression and this kind of situation we will cry out god give us justice um if our children are blamed unnecessarily in the school in a class environment uh, there are times when parents face the situation when their child is accused uh unnecessarily the mothers the mother will only cry out god 
give me justice. It is something like that. It is, it is, it is that kind of a situation. Some of you can uh, identify yourself with the sun. So it's, it's not a very difficult sun. We go through the situation when people blame us. You know, sometimes I hear statements like this, all I wanted to do was good, but now they're all accusing me. I never even thought like this. All I wanted to do is to help them out, but now they have all turned against me and now they're accusing me. And I'm sure this is ministering to each one of us, uh, especially in an Indian context, blaming others is the pastime. You know, anything goes wrong, blame. Husband blames wife, wife blames husband, children blame parents, parents blame children, and in-laws blame the daughter-in-law. This goes on and on and on. Uh, blaming is, is a part of uh, our very existence. Uh, we, can, we can identify ourselves. And this psalm is something like that. When people surround me and uh, when they blame me, all I can cry out to is, to the God of righteousness, my righteous God, my righteous God, the God of his righteousness. The psalmist knows that God is a right God. You know, people may blame me, but I know one thing, my God is a righteous God, so I can always cry out to him and I can ask him, give me relief from my distress. You know, it is not even psalmist is approaching God you know, in a proper uh, manner, he, you know, it is, it is not even, he's in distress. He's just crying out to God, give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. And then he says, uh, know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. That's what the verse three says. Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. Uh, some other um, uh, translations may say godly man. Uh, here it is his faithful servant. Now, who is a faithful servant? Who is a faithful servant? You can unmute yourself and you can answer this question. Who is a faithful servant? One who is obeying God and walking in his ways. One who is obeying God and walking his ways. Yes. Yes. Any other answers? The faithful servant is one who has experienced God's faithful love. First, he should have experienced God's faithful love. Now, not only has experienced God's faithful love, he has also learned to show that love to others. And he is called as a faithful servant. Uh, we are all uh, recipients of God's faithful love. It is God's faithful love that has sustained us. And it is God's faithful love that gives us hope, courage, confidence, especially uh, having you know, walked through this pandemic, not only pandemic, even in our normal life, uh, it is God's faithful love only that sustains us. Uh, every, every day morning, uh, when we get up, it is basically God's faithful love. So we have experienced God's faithful love and a faithful servant also he has learned to show that love to others. Uh, now, as the psalmist is having this question, in a, you know, it's interesting, he also somewhere, you know, in a subtle way, he also tends to give the answers. 
And he is asking his enemies, why are you accusing me falsely? He's telling them, why are you accusing me falsely? Uh, don't you know that God looks after his own people? He's telling them, but they don't care for him. They don't listen to him. They go on to accuse him. But what is interesting is um, we see here, he starts, answer me when I call to you. And in, the, in verse 3 itself, he says, the Lord hears when I call to him. You see, he's in such a distressful condition. And he's saying, answer me when I call to you. And he's talking about God, you're a righteous God. You will do the right thing. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me, O Lord, and hear my prayer. And he's telling these people, how long? How long will you keep accusing me? You know, God has set apart his faithful servant for himself. It is God who will defend his faithful servant. And then he says, the Lord hears when I call to him. It's quite beautiful. He has that confidence. When I call to God, God will answer me. Uh, then, uh, you know, there is no clear indication uh, the, the kind of accusations that are leveled against him. Uh, but one thing we know, these accusations are hurting his honor, dignity. Uh, you know, we live in a, um, you know, people tend to shame others. We live in a culture like that. Uh, so it is a situation similar to that. They, are, they have targeted his dignity. They have targeted his reputation. You know, we come across cases, a case like that, when people try to just malign somebody's character. It is, it is the same situation that's happening here. Then the psalmist says, trust in the Lord. Tremble and do not sin when you're on your beds. Search your hearts and be silent. Offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. You know, he is speaking to people who are accusing him. He's saying, tremble and do not sin. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. He's speaking to them, those who are accusing him, those who are maligning him. He's telling them, please uh, tremble and do not sin when you are on your beds. You know, uh, the translation is a little difficult in Hebrew, uh, but uh, there is, it is psalmist, is not only telling them how long you're going to do this, he's also advising them. You know, what Psalmist is basically telling here is, uh, you can tremble with anger and rage, but don't sin by doing anything. Uh, it is interesting what he's telling is, you know, you can speak your evil words within your hearts. It doesn't mean this is what God approves, but what the psalmist is telling, whatever you want to speak, you speak within your hearts, but don't speak them out aloud. It is when I go out, as you speak aloud, as you spread this word, it hurts my reputation. He says, you keep it to yourself. You just lie silent upon your beds at least you will not do any harm. You know, when you have faced situations like this, when you have been accused unnecessarily, you know, if you, at least if we can tell those people, if whatever you want to speak, just keep it within yourself. Please don't speak out aloud. You keep it within yourself. When you lie on your bed, you can keep thinking, it's okay, but don't open your mouth. Because, you know, there are people 
when they open their mouths, what comes out? Only bad things. Uh, it, it, is, it is that situation he's facing and he's telling, please, please don't open your mouth. When you are on your beds, you can keep you know, remembering all this in your heart, but don't bring it out. It is only when they, when they spoke out aloud and they acted on that, you know, that in that evil was released and it affected the innocent man. You know, if they want to malign somebody's character with false accusation, if they keep thinking to themselves, it's not going to affect the other person. But when they choose to speak out, when they choose to spread that false information, it is not only they have spewed out venom, they have also maligned the character of the other person. Once we have spoke, once the words have been released, they cannot take it back. So it is a situation like this. The psalmist is telling, please, please keep it to yourself. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Now, we should not take it for granted that this is what the Bible commands us to do. You know, as children of God, if we entertain that wrong thoughts, we are supposed to deal with those thoughts. But this is, this is not what the Bible says. Uh, you know, just because they don't speak, it does not mean their heart is clean. You know, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So their heart is dark. It is rotten. But just because they'll keep quiet doesn't mean their heart will be clear or good or holy. Not at all. But one thing it will do is it will at least curtail its ill effects. At least they will not spoil or ruin the character of another innocent person. Uh, when we spread unverified facts, we don't know to what extent it will cause ill effects. So we need to be careful with the kind of information we share, we spread, uh, we need to be careful. Uh, we might think we are doing service, uh, where that's not what we are required to do. So here, psalmist is uh, not only giving them a negative advice, he also has a positive counsel. Positive counsel is, you know, he says, offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. That is the positive advice he's giving. Offer the sacrifices of the righteous. You know, he says, it is not, he's talking about unbelievers. It is in a community. They're all believers. So he is telling them, offer the sacrifice. It is typically, it is in a church environment. So he says, offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. You know, it is not enough. You just come to the temple and you offer your sacrifice in a ritualistic manner. No, no, it has to be in a spiritual sense. So what he means by the sacrifices of the righteous? What is the difference between the sacrifices of the righteous and the sacrifices of the unrighteous? Both of them bring their offerings. Both of them come to the temple. But what is the difference? The difference is the sacrifices of the righteous, they are always accompanied by genuine repentance. It is not they just bring their offerings. It is also accompanied by genuine repentance, asking God to forgive for their sins. And when they ask for that forgiveness, what they are doing is they are returning to your proper relationship with God. Every time we bring our offerings, it is also a place where we come back, come back to God. You know, it's a proper relationship. We come back. Uh, 
this. Offering is also an act of worship. You know, even in the church, even in the present day, when we give our offering, when we put our offering in the bag, we can do it mindlessly as a ritual, as just a routine thing. We can also use that time as an act of worship. You know, as we give our offering, we just remember our God. We thank him. You know, Lord, whatever I have, I have received from you. You see, that offering, the act of offering becomes an act of worship. Everything we do in the church is not just a, it is not this is what A, B, C, D we have to do. Everything is a step that draws us closer to God. That is the sacrifices of the righteous. It is always accompanied by genuine repentance and it also takes us, it restores your proper relationship with God. And this is something we need to keep doing constantly. We need to keep remembering our God constantly because we know it is God is the one who is our righteousness. All our acts of righteousness are like filthy rags. It is only God who is our righteousness. So offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. Um, you know, to just quick recap, you know, some, the psalmist is surrounded by false accusations. Not his enemies are physically close to him, but they have tarred his reputation. They have just spoiled his reputation. Now he cannot even go out because everywhere people are accusing him. It is a situation like that. In fact, when he says, give me relief from my distress, basically in the Hebrew language, he says, you know, I feel suffocated. Will you please extend my room? Can you give me a bigger room? You know, I feel so suffocated by these false accusations. Oh God, please extend. Give me a little extra area. You know, when we go through situations like this, we feel suffocated. And then he's asking, give me a little space to breathe. It is that kind of a situation. And then he has a confidence, the Lord will answer my prayer. You know, you keep doing what you want, but my Lord will answer my prayer. Then he's telling to the people who are accusing him, please tremble and do not sin. Don't open your mouth. Whatever you have in your hearts, you keep it to yourself. You keep telling it to yourself. Don't open out, don't open your mouths. That's what he's saying. But he also has a positive counsel for them. He says, please offer the sacrifices of the righteous. Repent, repent, get back to God. You know, when your relationship with God is right, you're not going to accuse people. We will not accuse others if our relationship with God is right. So now he comes to a prayer of confidence. Many Lord are asking who will bring us prosperity. Let the light of your face shine on us. Fill my heart with joy when their grain and new wine abound. You know, it is few powerful people influential people who are accusing him. That is on one side. On the other side, many are asking him, hey, your God is not going to deliver you. You know, Psalmist is now confronted with uh, two different kinds of enemies. One kind of enemy is who directly who accuse him, who blame him. You know, who try to malign his character, his reputation. Uh, the other group, it is a large group. It is a big group. They create in him. 
doubt, doubt within him. They say, who will bring us prosperity? Many Lord are asking, who will bring us prosperity? You know, when we face situation like this, when we face situation from arrogant people who oppose us, and then there is a large group of people who create a doubt in us. Do you think, you know, if you say, I am praying to God, God is my deliverer. Do you think really your God will deliver you? Don't you think you have to do like this? He has done like this. You have to reply like this. You know, if you say God, 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 God alone will not work. You know, they create a doubt in our hearts. That is the kind of situation the psalmist is facing. You know, he's, it appears even those people who are accusing, he can face them, but he's unable to face people who claim to be his supporters or who claim to be, you know, those who are interested in his welfare, but knowingly or unknowingly, they are sowing the seeds of doubts. This is dangerous. You know, when we doubt God, that is dangerous. Because with doubt, we cannot fight the battle. That's what is happening. Uh, so now Psalmist, he has to overcome two layers of attack. The attack of people who say that your God cannot deliver you. First, he has to overcome that. He need to overcome the doubt and say, my God, my God will deliver me. I know my God, he will deliver me. First, he has to overcome that. And he also has to overcome people who are accusing him. How does he do that? You can read the verses and tell me, how does he do that? He is overcoming both the arrogant people as well as the people who are creating doubts in his mind. He's, he's overcoming both those onslaughts. How does he do that? By putting his trust in the Lord. Uh, by put, yeah, by putting the trust. But if you can read these two verses, and then from the verses, if you can try to find the answer. Yes, trusting in the Lord is always there. That's what the people are trying to put the doubts. You know, how will your God deliver you? He's praying, Pastor. Yeah, he's praying. What is he praying? That, uh, no, to shine the light. Uh, you know, yeah, I, yeah, somebody said to, to shine, shine the light and to fill the heart with joy. Yeah, let the light of your face shine on us. What is that? Let the light of your face shine on us. From where did he learn this? You know, all of them are believers. They go to the temple. They do all this. So from where has he learned this? Let the light of your face shine on us. Moses. Uh, numbers. Numbers. Yes. This is the this Pray. is the yes, correct. This is the ironic benediction mm -hmm. he has been hearing every time he goes to the temple. And he says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And so he says, though, though these people are all accusing me, he says, let the light of your face shine on us. Let the light of your face shine on us. And fill my heart with joy. It's, it's very interesting. You know, it is not that you know, we, we also hear the benediction, but to what extent he has internalized the benediction? You know, we also pray, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the unfailing love of God. To what extent have you really internalized this benediction? So here the psalmist, 
has internalized that benediction. So when he's in a crisis situation, uh, he is uh, he is praying, let the light of your face shine on us, fill my heart with joy. Now, what is interesting is the psalmist is praying for an inner joy. Now, as he's praying for an inner joy, you know, this joy will be greater than the joy that is experienced in the world. Uh, he says, fill my heart with joy when their grain and new wine abound. You know, people there outside, they're having a good party. You know, they have a good harvest. They are financially, they are prospering. Okay. But Psalmist is saying, I need an inner joy greater than those outward manifestations of joy. What they are enjoying, what they consider as joy, consider to that, I need an inner joy. You know, people in the society, they're always characterized by this kind of, you know, I have, I'm successful, I am so-and-so, I have so much of money, you know, but psalmist is asking, because all these things are not going to help me, give me that inner joy, give me that inner joy. So he says, the greatest joy is not that of a harvest home. They've got crores of rupees, no, that is not the greatest joy. They have all the wealth in this world. No, that is not the greatest joy. The greatest joy is the light of God's countenance. Let your face, Lord, make your face shine on me. Have we come to a place where we can say that, Lord, your face is more precious than anything else I desire or anything else I see. That is the psalmist. That is his heart. He says, just let your face shine on me. Just, may I just see your face? That is the psalmist. He is not even asking, deliver me. You vindicate me. He is not even saying that. He is just saying, Lord, when your face, when your light, when it shines on me, I will have that inner joy. So then he says, when I have this kind of a joy, I can rest in peace. In peace, I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. What a beautiful way of ending this psalm. We can call it a song, prayer, what a beautiful way. You know, his situation has not changed. People who are oppressing him, people who are accusing him, they have not left him. They are not going to keep quiet. You know, people who create that doubts, they are not going to leave him. But he says, Lord, let your face shine on me. He is not having a good harvest. People outside they are prospering, financially prospering, but he is not. But he says, in peace, I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. He knows if I have God, that's enough. That's enough for me in this world. I have to go through the situation. This is a broken world. People will accuse me. You know, people will make even my sleep impossible. They will create in me anxiety, doubt, fear. But if I have God, I can overcome all that. I'll be able to lie down and sleep because I know it's the Lord who makes me dwell in safety. Um, and then he, at the end of the Psalm, what we learn is 
he is much, much better off than his adversaries. His adversaries were financially prosperous, who are more powerful, who are more influential in the society compared to all of them. He is much, much, much better because in peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Uh, you know, it's interesting. He told those evil people, when you lie down, you keep speaking to your hearts. You know, whatever you want to accuse, you keep speaking to your hearts. You know, that's what we saw. And here he says, you keep speaking to your in your hearts. I will go to bed and I'll sleep comfortably. You see the difference between people who accuse him, evil people and righteous people, there is a difference. And in this case, the situation has not at all changed, but he could lie on his bed and sleep the sleep of peace, which came only from God. Uh, we all need a psalm like this. You know, we all face a situation similar to the psalmist. We Just because we are God's people, it does not mean people will not accuse us. People will not slander us. People will not malign us. Oh, people will do all kinds of things. Uh, you know, we should realize this is a society which specializes in gossip. Gossip is not even about, you know, sometimes we have a very wrong understanding of gossip. Gossip is not even spreading false information. Gossip means even speaking the facts with an intention of letting down the other person. That is gossip. Gossip need not be a lie. It may be, it may be true. You know, they are speaking the truth. They know certain facts and they're speaking the facts, but they're speaking with an intention of letting down the other person. That is what is known as gossip. And so in a society like ours, we all, we will continue to face situations like this where people will accuse us and people will blame us. This is not even a psalm, psalm about, you know, he's asking for forgiveness of sins. There's nothing like that. He's not asking for, Lord, forgive me my sin. No, he has not committed any sin. It just, it talks about his anguish. When people try to slander you, when people try to malign you, it is not a good feeling. It's not nice. It's not at all nice. So it is that kind of feeling. He feels oppressed. He feels suffocated. He feels hurt. And in that situation, he's praying like this. Remember, you know, in this world, there is so much of injustice, so much. If we are not facing injustice, let's thank God. There is so much of injustice and it is not only in Psalmist time, even today, there is so much of injustice. There is so much of suffering. There is so much of oppression. You know, this is part of our living. Just because we are God children, it does not mean we will not experience injustice. We will not suffer. We will not face oppression, not at all. We are living in a broken world. This is part of our living. That's why this psalm is in the Bible. Now, in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, this is what the wise man says. And I, again I looked and I saw all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed. Today, if you go to Southern Mangla, you can see the tears of the oppressed. They have no comforter. Power was on the side of their oppressors and they have no comforter. And I declared that the dead who had already died are happier than the living who are still alive. But better than both is the one who has never been born, 
who has not seen the evil that is done under the sun? You know, this is the, I'm talking about today's experience. It is not about the psalmist experience, rather we continue to face this kind of experience. There's no one, you know, you can hear people, you know, people say, I wish I'm dead. I wish I'm not alive. You know, you just cannot comfort them. The kind of oppression and the kind of injustice people face, there is so much. But in the midst of all this, the only place we can seek comfort is in the presence of God. You know, when there is injustice, the first question that comes to our mind is, is there a God? If there is a God, is he a just God? Can't he see how much problems and, you know, accusations I am facing? This is the kind of question. These are all existential questions we face. But the psalmist is saying the answer to all this, he is giving a therapy. In fact, Bible is better than all psychology. If you understand the Bible properly, Bible is better than all psychology. And all the, if you go to psychology, counselor also, they have all drawn principles from the Bible only. But Bible is supreme. You can, if we really understand the word of God. Here there is a kind of therapy. The therapy is not that you'll be released from this injustice, not that you'll face just, you know, God will give you, you will experience justice in this world. But if you pray to God, you will experience that calmness, peace of mind. That is the therapy. However strong these people may be, you know, however strong your accuser may be, ultimately it is only God who matters. When you come to God, when you pray to God, you know, he can give you an inner peace that no one else can give. So what happens when we pray like this? When we pray like this, it is not that our external situation will change. If we keep focusing on the external situation, it's not going to change. We can keep praying. But what we need to do in this prayer is we need to focus on our inner spirit and our inner spirit will be strengthened. You know, the accusations are like, they're like needles. You know, they, they know how to hit you. But in the midst of all these accusations, as they keep needling you around, you can always look to God for comfort. God will give us the peace of mind. So Psalm 4 is a prayer we all can use. We all need this kind of a prayer. Let us not forget as we study this Psalm, you know, what is important is when we feel this kind of an oppression, this kind of an accusation, you know, we are most sensitive when we are oppressed. When somebody speaks, we become more sensitive. We know they're blaming us. They're accusing us. You know, that person has to just look towards your side and in your heart, you say, see this person. He wants to blame me, accuse me. Even before, you know, we, it's when we feel like this, that we are being oppressed. Let us not remain insensitive to our own acts of oppression. If others can oppress us, we are equally capable of oppressing others. 
when others can blame us, we are equally capable of blaming others. So this is a psalm which helps us to introspect. When we go through the situations, it is not we look at others who are oppressing us, we take time to see, have I oppressed somebody by my words, by my deeds? Otherwise, we will become very insensitive to our own acts of oppression. You know, this is not a, you know, this is not a battle that we fight with the devil and we keep casting out demons. No, this is not cosmic evil. The psalm is not about a cosmic evil. It is because of the direct result of the words and actions of other people. Because of their words, because of their actions, we are feeling oppressed. So we don't have to cast out demons and all that. It is not going to help us. Uh, so what we should do is, even before we ask for release from our oppression, even before we ask God, oh God, release me from this oppression, what we need to do is we need to examine our own life, whether we tend to oppress towards others. When we do like this, we will experience the presence of God. We will experience the presence of God. We will experience that the, the, the God's countenance. That's what we will experience. You know, we will experience that the Lord will make his face shine upon us. And when his face shine, shines upon us, that's what is required to meet all these situations. Uh, this Friday, we'll have our Lenten devotion 7.30 to 8. Uh, 